All right, good morning. Let's try that again. That was so bad. Good morning. All right. I've already lost my spots. We're doing great. There this morning. There we go. All right, just a couple of things before I get started. Um, might want to just pull that down just a little bit. Um, in two weeks, if you show up here, you're going to be all alone. All right, because we are moving in two weeks. This is our, um, oh, I've always wanted to use this word, uh, the penultimate Sunday. Hey, you like that? That's my word of the day, penultimate. It means that basically it's a fancy word for second to the last. Uh, so next week is our last Sunday here. We're going to be moving to uh, Austin Audio. It's just four miles down the road, uh, same uh, time, 10 a.m., so we're excited to be able to do that. And on November 27th, we're going to be able to start our new series at the movies, uh, and it's going to be Christmas edition. So all your favorite Christmas movies, such as Die Hard and, uh, no, sorry, I'm just joking, I'm just joking. Even though Die Hard is a Christmas movie, uh, we should just put that to rest. Uh, anyway, so just re a reminder about that. Also, um, today after service, uh, we're going to do a quick teardown, and then at noon we have a memorial service uh, with uh, John and Andrea uh, for uh, Bo Wilkinson, uh, so that'll be at noon. So if you want to stick around for that, uh, we're going to dismiss and then and clear out and then uh, reset the room. All right. So we are in our fourth Sunday, I believe, uh, for the book of James. Uh, we're learning a lot of practical uh, principles for a productive faith, and uh, what we have learned so far is that in the book of James, James is taking the time to write down all of his practical wisdom that he has learned over his years, and, and he's sharing them with uh, Jewish believers. And overall, there's about 12 individual teachings. It's not a linear book. It's just kind of a hodgepodge of, of, uh, of different practical wisdom teachings. He has 12 of them, and what we have done as a church is we just broke them down into five specific uh, categories. The fun thing about this is if you look at chapter 1, which is the first uh, Sunday of this series, all 12 of those things are in chapter 1, or all five categories are in chapter 1. It's kind of like he, chapter 1, he's like, this is, I'm going to talk about all of these things over the next uh, few chapters. And so we see just kind of like his introduction of what he wants to accomplish in the book. And so uh, the first teaching that we learned was that our treatment of others reveals our heart. And then the second thing we learned is that our speech, what comes out of our mouth, reveals our heart. And then we learned that how we react to our circumstances or our perspective, it reveals our heart. And all throughout James, what James is wanting to do is he's wanting to shine a light on what we actually do is revealing what's actually going on inside of our heart. And it's a heart check. James is doing a heart check. He is saying, hey, if we're going to talk the talk, this is what it looks like to walk the walk. And that's the whole purpose of James. And that's why he says uh, in James 1, he says, listen, I want you to be doers of the word, not just hearers only. And then Next week, we're going to have one more uh, message on the book of James as we close out, and then we'll be closing out our time here at Oakland Middle School as well. Well, today, what I want to talk about is that the, our father-child relationship 
reveals our heart. And there's a lot that needs to be unpacked in that statement. Families, I believe, are the most important unit of society. Um, it's, it's how God has, has created us, male and female. They come together. They are joined in marriage. They are joined uh, physically, if you know what I mean. And they have babies, right? And they raise a family. And even when I do a, a, a wedding, one of the things that I say in the wedding is that it is your responsibility to pass down to the next generation the renown of God, to, to, to pass down your faith to the next generation. Um, that's why it's one of the most important things that we can do as parents is to pour into our children. And then one of the most important things that children need to do is to honor their parents. Can all the parents say amen? Amen, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's why studies have repeatedly shown that families that eat dinner together are healthier than those that don't, right? And why is that? Because, because they laugh together. You know, you sit around the dinner table, hopefully you laugh together. You, you deepen the bond between each other. You keep the lines of communication open. You're able to talk about really difficult topics around the table. And that's why if, if you get anything out of today and nothing else, at least get this, sit down and eat dinner as a family as much as you can, just break bread. Even, even if it's, you feel like you're doing it in a hurry, sit down, pause, pray together, give thanks, and then eat some good grub, right? Everybody said amen. Oh, come on, y'all. Come on, is, it, is, it, is, is the cold like, like slowing down the blood flow in your body? It's like turned to sludge, right? Absolutely. Well, in the same way, today we're going to talk about how we interact with our Heavenly Father and this family that we're a part of when we become followers of Christ. And the first question that we're going to ask, and there's three questions that you have on your notes. The first question, it comes, to, it, it, basically it's how we learn as children. We learn as children by asking questions all the time, right? We ask our parents, you know, why is the sky blue? And how are babies made? And um, why do I have to eat broccoli? You know, you, all these questions you ask your parents because you just don't know. And so the first question we ask is, where do we get our wisdom? And why do we need to know where we get our wisdom? Because that is our knowledge to live life. How do we know how to live out this Christ life unless we simply ask? God, what do you ask of me? In James 1, he sets this up in James 1, 5 through 8. He says, now, if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God. Pretty good right there. We could stop. You, you feel like you're stuck in life. You feel like you don't know how to handle a situation. You feel like you're having a bad day. If you lack wisdom, ask God. Who gives to all generously and ungrudgingly, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith without doubting, for a doubter is like the surging sea. It's kind of like James is saying, listen, if you ask your pop some questions, he loves you enough to give you the answers, Amen. right? So that's James, five, one, uh, James 1, 5 through 8. Well, then he picks this back up, this idea of wisdom in James 3, 13 through 18. Who among you is wise and understanding? 
By his good conduct, he should show that his works are done in gentleness that comes from wisdom. But if you have any bitter envy and selfish ambition in your heart, don't boast and deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. Wow, strong words from James. From where there is envy and selfish ambition, there is disorder and every evil practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peace-loving, gentle, compliant, full of mercy and good fruits, unwavering without pretense, and the fruit of righteousness is, is sown in peace by those who cultivate peace. James is saying, you know, in the first, he's like, if you, if you need wisdom, ask God. Then in James 3, he's like, hey, by the way, if you have any question about what real wisdom looks like, this is what it looks like. If the wisdom comes back at you that you need to get the upper hand, that's not godly wisdom, that's demonic. He's saying if, if wisdom comes at you that you should be a hothead and you should retaliate, that's not godly wisdom, that's worldly wisdom, that's demonic. He's saying godly wisdom is peace-loving. Godly wisdom is gentle. Godly wisdom reflects the character of Christ. That's what godly wisdom looks like. That's why it's so important for us as families to sit down and, and have meals because you want them around you as much as possible. But you see this a lot of times in teenagers where they start to hang out with their friends more than they hang out with their parents and their, their personality changes and their attitude changes because why? The influence they have is different. You're getting different personalities, different worldviews, different culture different teachings, different language, right? Where did you learn that, you know? That's why it's important that we understand that our speech should be peaceable. It should be peace-loving. You know, I, I, was, uh, I took Wyatt under, under the house. We have a crawl space, and I'm, I'm refinishing I'm refinishing the bathroom, and so I'm having to replumb stuff, and, and, and it has to do with PVC pipes and, and glue and cutting and everything, and, and uh, I was like, I, I should show why how to do this. So I drag him underneath the house, and we have our headlamps on, and we're, you know, army crawling underneath there, and then we, we're sitting underneath the shower, and, and we're cutting PVC pipe, and I'm showing him, like, okay, this is, this is how you cut the PVC pipe and you know I forgot there was nasty water in there so then I'm like Ryan go grab a towel you know so it's always good to have an extra hand if I have an emergency so cutting the PVC pipe and I'm showing them how to measure the PVC pipe and I'm showing them how to dry fit all the drainage and then I'm showing them how to glue it and I'm showing them I'm showing them all these things that I'm thinking you know maybe one day he'll he'll need to know this why because he learns from his father and God is asking, he's inviting you into this journey where he's like, hey, let me show you what it looks like to be more like my son. Let me, let me take you along on this journey and, and show you that, yeah, it, 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 
it is hard to turn the other cheek, but that's, that's what my son did. And, and it is hard to be persecuted, and that's what my son went through. And it is hard to suffer, but that's, that's, that's what it looks like to become more like my son. But here's the great thing is that he conquered all, and you're going to conquer all as well. That he is the first that rose from the grave, and so there is one day there's going to be a, a reunion with him, and you're going to be a part of that. And he's inviting us into this journey. And we have wisdom that's accessible to us if we only look and ask. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peace-loving, then gentle, then compliant and full of mercy and good fruits and unwavering and, and without pretense. And you know those people in your life that are like that, you're just drawn to them. You're drawn to them because they, they have such a, a Christ-like and godly character to them. And it promotes peace and unity and the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who cultivate peace and James is really harping on this he's like listen it's a wise thing to get along with each other it's a wise thing to promote peace it's a wise thing to to be unified in purpose and in mission and in deed so where do we get our wisdom we get our wisdom from the father why do we need wisdom? Because it's our knowledge to live this Christ life. But where, another question is, where do we believe our home resides? And why does this matter? Because where we view our home determines our culture to live life. Our culture to live life. It says in James 4, 1 through 10, what is the source of wars and fightings among you? And James is, James is a master teacher. You know why I know this? It's because he asks lots of questions. He asks lots of questions. He's, he, he, you know, the, the first passage that we said in, in James 3, 13, he says, who among you is wise and understanding? Well, he opens this passage with another question. What is the source of wars and fightings among you? Don't they come from your passions that wage war within you? You desire and you do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and you wage war. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and you don't receive because you ask with the wrong motives so that you may spend it on your own pleasures. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world is hostility towards God? So whoever wants to be the friend of the world becomes the enemy of God. Or do you think it's without reason that the scripture says the spirit he made to dwell in us envies intensely? That's key. But he gives greater grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded, be miserable and mourn and weep. Wow, what, what is he talking about? Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. I don't want to do that. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you. Like, What is James talking about? What he's talking about is that there is an internal battle that you have with the spirit that God has placed inside of you in the spirit of the flesh. There is always a battle with us and we're never fully cooked 
until we get to heaven. We're, we're never fully done. Until, is the, Paul says that one day we will see him in all his glory. One day that we will see him and we will be like him. But we're not there yet. And there is this battle that we have to daily submit to because we are replacing a worldly culture with a godly culture. It's a replacement. It's a heart transplant. It's, it's a changing, at, changing of the guard of what is going on inside of our hearts. And our, our actions, basically, what, what, what James is saying is our actions reflect our citizenship because this is a, a, a kingdom culture and a worldly culture. Which are we going to choose on a daily basis? We have to die to the worldly culture. We have to embrace the godly culture and our actions reflect our citizenship you know this because it's common sense you run into someone who's german you know they're german really fast why because they drink big boots of beer and they eat sauerkraut and they eat brats and and they speak with a german accent right they they they're german you you, you run into someone who's french they, they speak like a French person, and, and, and they eat snails, and, and you know all of those things, you're like, oh, you must be French. And you, you run into people whose citizenship is of another country, but you know that they are a fish out of water because they don't belong, because they talk different, they talk funny, they ain't from around here. I remember... I remember we, uh, we were in Arches National Park, and I'm not going to say the ethnic group because I don't want to disparage anybody, but um, we were in Arches National Park, and we're trying to get a picture of the kids in front of this arch, and there was this busload of people, and there were a swarm. It was like a, like a swarm of bees. They would just take over a location and they would stand in front of your picture and everything and i'm like what is going on it was driving me bananas and jennifer was getting so upset i'm like listen it's their culture that's if if you visit their nation that's what it's like you run to the front because if you don't take care of yourself no one else is you run to the front you cut line you do what you have to do and i kid you not we finally got it clear except for two people and I have the boy sitting there, and I'm about to take the picture, and I just resign myself that I'm going to have two strangers photobombing my picture in front of this arch. I'm like, fine. It is what it is. And I kid you not, the lady sees me, and she goes, oh, I'm so sorry, darling. And she steps off to the side. And I'm like, you must be from the south. She goes, how did you know? <laughs> because your culture reflects who you are, Right? You act different. You talk different. You, you participate in different activities. That's why it's strange to the world that we come in here and we worship a God that we cannot see. Because our citizenship is in heaven. It's strange that we can come alongside each other from different backgrounds and different ethnic groups. And, and everything. Just, we're just different and we have unity in the body of Christ that's strange to the world. But we know that the ground is level at the foot of the cross. We know that we have a citizenship in heaven. Even like I, I got to visit Cambodia on a mission trip. Even in a, a, an Asian culture, you had 
Thailand, Cambodia, and uh, Vietnam. They're all right there together. All three completely different cultures. Completely, what they ate, you might look at what they were eating and think it was the same, but it was completely different. Different herbs, different spices, different, different mannerisms on, on how you would enter a home and exit a home. It was all different. And James is saying that our actions are a reflection of the citizenship you claim. You cannot be a citizen of the world, which includes all the debauchery and lust and anger and strife and hatred and claim to be a citizen of heaven at the same time. It just does not work like that. And he says to rectify this situation, we have to have a mindset of humility. That's why that whole end of the passage sounds so doom and gloom. He's like, if this is what you've been doing, this is how you fix it. You humble, you, humble yourself. You have a, a realization. You have a, a godly conviction. You have, a, a, a as Paul says, a, a godly sorrow. Like, oh my gosh, God, I cannot believe that I have grieved you. I'm so sorry. I cannot believe that I have I've embraced this lifestyle that you've asked me not to, and I, I've not ran towards you. There is, a, there is an attitude of repentance that you become broken enough that you return back to the Father. And we have to turn from our sin every day. Like I said, we're not fully cooked. This is not set it and forget it. You have to wake up every day and fight those passions and, and, and fight, the, and fight the, the inner man that wants to, to rule. It's, it's hard. And James is saying, yeah, it is. And this is what we've been called to do. But the third question is, whom do we view as our source? So we know where our wisdom comes from. It comes from God. We know where our citizenship comes from. It comes from heaven. That's the family we're a part of. Back on that real quick. That's why some families are different. I, I, I used to travel and sing uh, for a college group, and they would put us in host homes. And that was the most uncomfortable thing in the world because my culture was different than their culture, and we lived in the same country. Yeah, it's just, it's, it's so strange. Like, wait, you, don't, you, you do this at dinner and not that? And uh, it, it's just, it feels clunky. It just feels clunky. And so our actions re reveal the family that we believe that we're a part of. That's why we're at our table, when you sit down at our, our table, that we, we say thanks before we eat the food. That's why at our table, you go put your dishes in the dishwasher. Can I say amen, right? That's why at our table, you make sure everybody else has had, had their fill before you go back for, well, in my kid's case, like third or fourth. But on this third point, whom do we view as our source? Why does this matter? Because it reveals our power to live life. So the first is the knowledge to live life. The second is the culture to live life. And the third is the power to live life. 
As a parent, we, we are a source for our children. That's why they don't have a job, they come to you for money, right? That's why they come to you for an allowance. You are their source. They rely on you to put a roof over their head. They rely on you to put food on the table. And in the same way, we are helpless on our own. We cannot do this by ourselves. We have to rely on our Heavenly Father to provide and to take care of us. This is what James 5, 13 through 18 says, Is any among you suffering? He should pray. Is anyone cheerful? He should sing praises. Is any among you sick? He should call for the elders of the church, and they are to pray for him and anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. The prayer of faith will save a sick person, and the Lord will raise him up. If he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins one to another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is very powerful in its effect. Elijah was a human being as we are, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the land. Then he prayed again, and the sky gave rain and produced its fruit. I love James because he is answering the question all of us would have been asking if we had just read that and stopped. The prayer of faith will save a sick person. The prayer of the righteous is very powerful in its effect. And I'm pretty sure that they were probably reading that and going, well, how powerful? Like, how much power do we really have in our prayer? Like. But, you know, if I could just twist that question a little bit, what we're asking really is, well, how powerful is God? Like, how much does he really love us? How much does he really listen to us? How, how much does that really make a difference? Like, I'm glad you asked. Because Elijah was a man just like you. And he prayed that it would not rain. And would you, would you believe it did not rain for three and a half years? That's James's answer to you. Elijah did. Why can't you? If Elijah prayed, why can't you? If God answers Elijah's prayer, why can't he answer yours? And so we have this access to a power to live life that we so often do not tap into. Why? Because what James said at the very beginning of James 1, that we tend to ask, but we doubt. Because we're double-minded, we're still playing this dual citizenship game of I'm a kind of a little bit of the world and I'm kind of a little bit of the kingdom of heaven. And James is like, no, pick a side. Pick a side. Why? Because the side you're on, it's going to come out in your actions. It's going to come out in your speech. It's going to come out in your behavior. And it's going to come out in your prayers. That's why God wants us to pray big prayers. That's why I, I love the saying that your prayer life is an indication of how big you believe God is. Because God is listening and he wants to hear your prayers 
and he is for you. And it says the prayer of a righteous person, it's very effective. It's got some weight. It's got some power behind it. Why does it have power behind it? Because our God is powerful. Because our God is powerful. But I hope you didn't miss this because I love this, this whole family of God thing. It's interesting that in this principle, the family of God, it, it works cohesively. It says, pray to God because he is the source. He is our power. He is our God. But also confess to one another. Also confess to one another. Also pray for one another. Also be there for each other. We're not meant to do this alone. He says, I am your father. I created you. I want you to pray to me. I want to answer you, but I have also placed you in a family so that you can take care of each other. That's why Christian community is so important. That's why we come alongside of each other when we're happy and we rejoice for each other and we cheer each other on. That's why we come together when we're sad because we, we weep on each other's shoulders and we hold each other up and we say it's gonna be okay. That's why we are not meant to do this alone. We're meant to do it in community. We're meant to do it as a family with a father that loves us. Would you bow your heads and pray with me? Father God, I love you and we worship you and we thank you for your goodness and we thank you for your mercy and we thank you that we have a God that answers our prayers. We thank you that we have a God that gives us wisdom when we ask. We thank you, God, that our citizenship is not here, our citizenship is in heaven. And we thank you, God, that you have placed us in a body of believers, a family of believers that looks out for each other that cares for one another. We thank you, God, that you have called us for this purpose. God, be with us as we continue on this week. Be with us as we live out this Christ life. Help us to die to ourselves. Help us to live for you. In your name we pray. Everybody said amen. Amen and amen. Well, thank you so much for, for being here today. And uh, just a couple of things as we, as we close out. Um, thank you, thank you, thank you. I can't thank you enough for, for giving to Alenia uh, through your tithes and offerings. We're able to continue ministry. Um, if you call Alenia Church home, the three best ways to give, you can give via a check. We have a box outside. You can um, give through our online platform. It's heleniachurch.org forward slash give, or you can actually just text the keyword or text the amount to 84321. Um, I actually did that. Be honest with you, I haven't done that before. I did that for the first time last week and it was way easier than I thought it would be. So you literally just text the amount and it spits back a, um, a reply and you're done. And it's not on your cell phone bill. It just goes, it, they give you instructions on how to link that to your bank account. So that's super easy. Um, also, remember next week, we close out this series in James, um, and then we'll begin our new series um, next uh, on the 27th after Thanksgiving uh, on Christmas at the Movies. 
So make sure you're here for that. Would you just stand with me? Um, thank you for being here. We're gonna have our prayer team down front. And uh, we mean this about prayer, that we do not want you to walk out with the same burdens you walked in with. Uh, that's why one of the things that we say here is we pray as a first resort, not a last resort. No prayer is too big, no prayer is too small. You have a need, come meet with our prayer team. We would love to pray for you. Um, we are going to dismiss everybody. We're gonna reset the school and they're gonna be prepared for guests for the memorial service at noon. God bless and see you next week.